Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. And we've got a great show lined up for you guys today. First, I'm going to be talking with Alan Crowder as he gets ready for his fight at UFC on ESPN Plus One. Whew, gotta shorten the names of those shows. Then we're going to be looking at our awards for the end of the year. That's right, me and Shockwave Dave have both got our picks for Fighter, Fight, KO, and Sub of the Year. So you're going to want to tune in and listen to all that. Plus, we'll be talking about the craziness that was this past weekend in MMA from PFL to UFC to Risen. It's all going to be on the show, so you're going to want to check each and every piece of that out. Before you do so, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. Go to adkfightwear.com. For the only jujitsu gear you can get out there at an affordable price that actually holds up. That's right. I've got their arm bars and stripes rash guard, which is a short sleeve rash guard. It's got a nice American flag on it made with the jujitsu belt. It's really cool looking. I've worn it like a hundred times. There's no pilling. All of the threads are still intact and the colors still pop. This thing is amazing. And because I use our promo code TURTLE, that's T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase, I got this rash guard for just 20 bucks. That's right. You can go online right now, use that promo code TURTLE, and get your own for 20 bucks. Plus, while you're there, keep an eye out. They've got some new stuff coming out. If you are a professional wrestling fan, they've got some stuff inspired by the NWO. That's right. NWO, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, all that stuff coming to the site soon. And you're going to want to be one of the first ones to get it. You can use the promo code for that as well. So make sure you hop on to adkfightwear.com and check them out. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FloatCombat.com, and today we have the pleasure of speaking to Alan Crowder, who fights Greg Hardy at UFC on ESPN Plus One on January 19th in Brooklyn. So, Alan, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about this matchup, because obviously, you know, you're semi-new to the UFC with just one fight. He's got no fights in the UFC, but for, for obvious reasons, this fight has gotten a ton of publicity since being announced. Does it come with any extra pressure, and, and is it weird having this much hype around, you know, one of your very first fights in the UFC? Uh, you know, honestly, I'm pretty excited about it, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, obviously my first fight didn't go the way I wanted it to, and uh, it didn't have much publicity behind it, but this listen right here, you know what I mean? It's, you know, everybody's known about it, so once I go in and I beat this dude, you know what I mean? I'm going to have a lot more fans, a lot more following, and it's just, you know, a lot more hype for myself, you know? Absolutely, and and so, you know, I was going to ask about that too, does it feel like a chance to build your name? Obviously it does, but do you also feel like you're yeah. fighting for something more there, or do you feel like you're going to obtain fans just in the fight? What what What's uh, sort of your thought process behind that? You know, obviously I want to, you know, attain, you know, attain fans, you know, just uh, with my skills alone, um, but, you know, also, you know, I'm fighting for, you know, everyone who's ever been abused to domestically, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm you know, 100% against any of that. Uh, yeah, you know, I believe in second chances, you know what I mean? Maybe this guy completely turned his life around or whatever, but I mean, so I, I definitely, all the people who want to see him get beat up, I want to be the guy that does it, you know what I mean? Mm. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, with that statement, obviously, when you got the call with the name Greg Hardy, uh, obviously it was an instant yes out of you, uh, but but how did you find out about this call? Did your manager call you? Did the UFC call you? Sort of what was uh, what was your thought process upon getting the phone call? So, uh, you know, I was looking to get into another fight. You know what I mean? I was trying to get something scheduled up or whatnot. 
And then um, my manager called me up. It was like 11 o'clock p.m. And I was like, oh, this could be good. So I answered the phone. And then uh, me and one of my coaches were talking about how great it would be to fight in Brooklyn. And then um, I talked about fighting Greg Hardy back when I saw him on the Contender Series. And then so my manager calls me up and he's like, hey, how do you think about fighting Greg Hardy? And I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, when is it? Where's it at? And he uh, he told me that it was in Brooklyn, New York. And I was like, man, I'm a big believer in everything happening for a reason. And uh, and I instantly said yes and let's get it set up. And then uh, the very next day, ESPN was hitting up and talking about uh, the fight or whatever. They sent me the contract later on that night and everything just ran smoothly from there. Yeah, absolutely. So so not only are you getting it who you wanted, you're getting where you wanted it, which is pretty exciting. Now, have you heard a lot more from friends and family and sort of fans since this matchup was booked, or is it still kind of like the same amount you usually hear? Oh, yeah, it's definitely picked up a ton, you know what I mean? Everybody's talking about how much more pressure it is on the fight and whatnot, you know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, it's a big opportunity for sure. Um, you know what I mean? I go in there and get this win, and with everybody, you know, who's obviously going to be pulling against him or, you know what I mean, or knows who he is from being in the NFL. It's a, it's a big draw on my, uh, you know, on my end. Um, plus other people and stuff that heard about it and read about it on ESPN, they've been hitting me up out of the woodwork and, uh, you know, wishing me good luck, and I really appreciate all them. That's absolutely awesome. So, uh, you know, I want to mention one thing you said in there, too. You, you mentioned it seems like there's a lot more pressure. Do you feel a lot more pressure in the lead-up to this fight and as you prepare for it? Uh, not really. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I've been out for almost a year now. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm excited to get back into the ring. I've really been working on my skills a lot here lately. And, um, I really just want to go in and show that I belong in the UFC and that, uh, and that he's not ready to be there. Absolutely. Now, I'm glad you mentioned your skills, too, because I wanted to talk about this matchup a little bit stylistically. So, obviously, he's only fought three times career professionally. How do you prepare for a guy who's got so little experience and seems to be so different fight to fight? Man, uh, you know, that's, that's a hard thing to do. I feel like he's going to go in and try to bang. And, um, you know, a lot of the guys he fought, they go, they fell straight backwards. You know, I mean, their boxing wasn't uh, on par with mine, I don't believe. And uh, and I feel like I'm going to give him a, a lot better look than what he's been having. And uh, we'll see how he does after a couple minutes instead of uh, knocking people out in a minute and a half, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, his boxing, he seems to go straight back or straight forth. What do, you, what do you think about his abilities in general, you know, as a potential, you know, clinch fighter, as a potential grappler? What, how, how would you rate Greg Hardy as a fighter? As a fighter? You know what I mean? I believe he has a lot of potential. You know what I mean? Uh, big athletic guy, uh, strong, he's got fast footwork. Um, he's got potential to be great, but he just hasn't put the time in. He hasn't got the years in. You know, he hasn't got the repetitions in and everything else. You know what I mean? It's a big transition from football to, uh, you know, the sport of fighting and MMA and everything else. So I just don't believe he's ready, you know, to be in there. Definitely not in the USC. I feel like he should have fought at least maybe six more times uh, against some challenging opponents before he got the call up to the UFC. But, you know, it is what it is. Absolutely. And and have you and your coaches sort of been digesting all of the stuff that he's been doing? You know, do you have a coach who looks at film? Are you a big film guy yourself? You know, like sort of who's been doing the scouting for this fight? Uh, yeah, my coach is looking to film and stuff, but you know, I mean, it's hard to really get any good film. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. You got three fights and knock them all out in a minute and a half. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, film's a hard thing to really get on somebody who's knocked all their opponents out so quickly and has only had, you know, three fights. So, uh, mostly, mainly just, mainly just focusing on, you know, myself and whatnot and, uh, what I need to work on to be a better fighter and what I plan, what I think he's going to do and, you know, things like that. Absolutely, and so let's let's turn this last question around to, for the focus on you, because obviously we've been focused on your opponent quite a bit here. 
how how have you changed since the last time we've seen you in the cage? What do you feel like has been your big turning moment since that big loss? Uh, you know, I've boosted my confidence up a lot. You know, what I mean, I had a lot of stuff doubt going into my last fight. Um, you know, I really really worked on my confidence levels and uh, worked on my boxing a lot and just you know feeling more confident. And then uh, you know, last time I was trying to be very defensive and I'm an offensive fighter. You know, I showed that whenever I fought in uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. And um, I was trying to be a defensive fighter there, and, and it just kind of messed me up. And I didn't have a really good game plan going into my first fight, so now I have a you know a solid game plan, and I'm definitely going to stick to it, and you know go from there. Well, that's certainly exciting. Now, obviously, you don't want to give too much away before we break here with you. Uh, but you know, you said you're working on your boxing more. Uh, we've seen your deadly grounded pound. How sort of do you expect this fight to go with Greg Hardy? Uh, I plan to knock him out. You know what I mean? I'm thinking uh, first or second round getting tired i'm gonna use my superior boxing skills to beat him to death and see where it goes from there well we're certainly looking forward to it once again alan crowder fights greg hardy at ufc on espn plus one on january 19th in brooklyn alan thank you so much for the time we really appreciate it hey thank you for having me have a great day and that interview with alan crowder is brought to you by sheath underwear head to sheathunderwear.com because they are changing the way that you exercise. And look, it's the new year. We all got our resolutions. We're all exercising more. And the underwear game has changed since the last time you worked out. That's right. You don't have to have your junk crushed down by briefs. And you don't have to have it flopping all around in your boxers. So, instead, go to sheathunderwear.com and use the only underwear that's got a innovative front pocket that gives you the support you need while keeping you cool and comfortable. That's right. You can stay cool and comfortable because the front pocket promotes airflow to your boys so that you don't have to feel extra sweaty. And when you do get extra sweaty, because you're working out, we know, when you do get extra sweaty, it's antimicrobial and moisture wicking so you can still stay comfortable and supported down there and not get overheated. Hey, and if you're from New England like I am or somewhere else super cold, I will tell you that this stuff is top notch if you work out or run outside. Because it keeps things all in the same place, keeps it all nice and warm, like I said, without chafing or or getting any kind of uh, extra heat down there. So, head to sheathunderwear.com, be sure to use our promo code FLOW, that's F-L-O, for 20% off your hoard. I, of course, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, here with my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Dave, Alan Crowder is getting a lot of press here. What do you think about the way he's dealing with it? You know what? I'm pretty impressed with our boy A.C. Alan Crowder. I heard him on other shows. I heard him on our show. Obviously, our show is better than all those other shows. But everywhere I've heard him, he comes off like a professional. And I'm always interested, you know, sometimes the MMA media spotlight finds the weirdest people or the people you don't expect. Like, remember Mickey Gall when he Mm -hmm. called out CM Punk? I guess he kind of made that opportunity for himself. Or like a Mike Jackson. Mm -hmm. When they got Mike Jackson to fight CM Punk, and all of a sudden, everyone's wondering, who the F is Mike Jackson? And now, Alan Crowder kind of finds himself in a similar spot, and I feel like he's making good use of it. Yeah, absolutely, he's making good use of it. And and I think, too, you, you know, you made a good point about that pressure kind of being thrusted upon him, not even asked for, like you said, Mickey Gall. I, I think he's dealing with it really well. You know, he, he seems really professional in his responses to things. You know, he, he doesn't seem to get too hyped up on the, the whole Greg Hardy situation while still being able to comp- comment on it. So I, I think being a seasoned veteran and is, is you know, doing him well in, in media like this. 
being a seasoned veteran, meaning just because he does have, you know, a fair amount of MMA fights. He, he's fought uh, Curtis Blades outside the UFC. Yeah, and he just fought Justin Willis, too, who's, uh, I believe, now in the top 10 at heavyweight in U- the UFC. So, you know, he's fought some some really impressive guys, and, and I, I guarantee the media has not been like it is this time. But you got to imagine the the amount of savvy he has in, in the cage and out of the cage has to be from some of that experience. Well, we'll move on. Uh, We're coming off of the massive UFC 232. Uh, Ryan Hall, heel-hooking people. Michael Chiesa, big win over Carlos Condit. Uh, Our boy, friend of the show, Alex Volkanovsky, biggest win of his career over Chad Mendes, who has since said he's retiring. Uh, What a night, but we, of course, have to mention here days later uh, the double main event, the co-main event, and the main event. Let's start with the co-main, and then we'll work our way to the main. Amanda Nunes knocked out Chris Cyborg. Your thoughts? Uh, I can't believe it. it. It was wild watching it, because you could dial up a whole bunch of different ways that that fight could go, right? Like, neither of them had ever fought somebody like the other one, and that's what was so intriguing about it in the first place, is that, like, you know, like Cyborg hadn't fought a Nunes, Nunes hadn't fought a Cyborg, so you're thinking to yourself, who here has got the advantage, and you're trying to draw up all the different ways it could go. Mentally, I had it. Cyborg pounds her out in the first couple of rounds. And then if that wasn't it, long, close decision could go either way. I didn't even have it in my mind as a possibility that she ices Cyborg in a minute. That's insane. It was insane, and I will say, you know, we threw out on our Twitter, we love our Twitter feed, at Top Turtle MMA, uh, follow the show if you aren't already. I had thrown out on our Twitter uh, earlier in the week, is Amanda Nunes the goat female if she beats Cyborg? Uh, majority of people said yes, I think around like 52, 55%, something in in that range. And I still to myself thought like, eh, you know, this was going into it. I would still want to see her beat, like, Holly Holm, maybe. You know, okay, she beat Ronda, obviously a huge name. Ronda had one foot out the door. She was doing WWE 90 days later after that loss. Um, and we all know, uh, despite as much as we love Coach Edmund, head movement, head movement, Ronda was no precision striker. But after seeing her dismantle, and as you said, Ice Cyborg, it's just official now. You know, she killed Misha Tadoff. She killed Ronda Rousey. She killed off Cyborg. This is the GOAT female fighter of all time. Absolutely. And you know what, too? Here's a thought. If you think about her in terms of, and I know we love to throw female in front of it, too. If you think about her in terms of the entire GOAT picture, right? Like, if we included men and women, she has now beaten, she has now has two wins over featherweight champions, two wins over bantamweight champions, in two wins over flyweight champions. Granted, that one's the same person. But she has beaten two champions in each of the three divisions surrounding the one that is pretty much her home. That's an incredible set of resumes when you think about it in terms of the UFC. Ah, very well said. I agree with you completely. Uh, something to consider. Uh, speaking of goats, John Jones <laughs> uh, avenged his close decision win that people tried to say was a loss even though it wasn't really a loss uh and beat alexander gustafson in the third round uh via ground and pound uh what were your thoughts on that fight 
God, how good did he look? Fuck, man. He was away for however long he was, and it, it's scary how good he looks, right? Like, it just felt like as soon as he had Gustafson down, he, he had the finish any way he wanted to. I thought he was going to get a rear naked choke. I thought he could probably get a front choke at one point in there. The, he wanted to punch him out. He punched him out. And it looked like the most dominant John Jones I've ever seen, I think. Yeah, uh, you know, you say for as long as we've seen, or had, had, we hadn't seen him in there, he had actually fought, <laughs> it's funny, I, I feel like this was missed a lot, he had actually fought more recently than uh, Gustafson had. He had <clears> fought in July of 17, Gu- Gustafson in May of 2017, so only a month apart. But yeah, he looked phenomenal. I think he definitely, the game plan was to take Gustafson down in later rounds. He shot takedowns early, didn't get it, didn't freak him out, just went back to the kicks and, you know, just kind of rangy striking as John Jones is known to do. But then once that takedown was, was hit in the third round, you saw the difference in fighter on the ground that the two of them were. And I really think it avenges any doubt people had about Jones Gustafson. Uh, the first one in September of 2013, the rumors was that John was partying, didn't take it seriously. I think this kind of proves that that's probably true. Um, I just think he's a higher caliber fighter than Gustafson, taking nothing away from Gustafson. I think he's, you know, it's Jones and it's DC at 205 and has been for years. And then you go through a bit of a jump and you get into the, like the Gustafsons and the Anthony Rumble Johnsons and even the Glover Teixeiras when they were in their absolute, when he was in his absolute prime, not now aging out. But you know what? Jones and DC are just, they're a different world from everyone else at 205, and I think that's what this fight proved. Yeah, I, I think it proved that too. And and there are some others like up-and-comers that I feel like could possibly create that next year that's being vacated by the Glover Teixeiras. You know, the, the Dominic Reyes's and the, the Anthony Smiths and, and those types of guys could probably fill that void left by some of those guys who are sort of aging out. But there's still, I feel like, a tear behind them, and, and I don't know that they'll ever catch him. You know, I said this on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA, follow the show if you're not already, that the only division where I miss ex-UFC fighters who are now in Bellator is 205. Like, I'm the biggest Rory McDonald mm-hmm. fanboy in the entire world. I hate that he's in Bellator, but... I don't really cry about it on a week-to-week level. You know, UFC 170, it moves on. There are a billion great fighters at 170. I don't necessarily feel like Rory is missed. He is in some ways, but not on, like, that day-to-day level. But I go to 205, and I think about, you know, Bader and Phil. And obviously, I, I pick Jones against both of those guys. But I think they would really round out the top five, and it would be a much nicer and like stronger division with those two guys, two guys in there, and even throw in Moose if he yep. if he wants to come up to two hundred five. I'd see Moose against anyone in the top ten at two hundred five, up to and including Jones. I'd pay to see that fight. So that's the one division where I feel like the Bellator walkouts I miss. And I feel like the UFC hasn't necessarily done the greatest of jobs refilling and restocking that 205 pool. Yeah, I don't think they've done so yet. And you know whose name you missed in all of that, too? And and it's probably an intentional miss, but you know whose name you missed in that? 3-0 in MMA in 2018. Fucking Loyola Machida went 3-0 in MMA. 
2018. He beat Eric Anders, Vitor Belfort, and Rafael Calvajo in, eventually in Bellator. So, uh, even he is probably a top 10 guy in the UFC? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, him I do not necessarily miss on a day-to-day level, but you're right. I mean, I have to give credit to that Eric Anders, uh, to that win, yeah. albeit a split decision. You know, him front-kicking Vitor Belfort, I mean... Uh, that's I'm just a good go time. That's all that is. <laughs> yeah, that's all that is. That, that's a, a hit-it-and-quit-it one-night wonder. But, yeah, I mean, no, you're right, though. You're right. I mean, even Machida in the top ten, it makes it a stronger top ten. Heck, I'd love to see Machida versus Anthony Smith right now. You mentioned yeah. Reyes. Machida would be a fun veteran kind of gatekeeper there, too. Yeah. So... It is what it is. We'll keep moving along. Uh, Floyd Mayweather, speaking of ghosts, <laughs> knocked out uh, Teshin at uh, Risen uh, in an exhibition bout that some people are calling into question wh- whether it was a work or a shoot. I'll just lay it out right now. I myself, and again, I said it on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA, if you're not following the show, the roots of Japanese MMA are embedded deep in pro wrestling soil. Take everything with a grain of salt. Believe nothing. Uh, Rory McDonald also feels that way. Brendan Schaub tweeted it out. Robin Black, who I respect very highly, also thinks it was a little wonky. But then you have people like Luke Thomas, who I also respect. Dave Meltzer, who I respect more than anyone when it comes to Japanese MMA. Uh, they believe it was 100% shoot. So, I don't know. Was it a work? Was it a shoot? I feel like we're talking about pro wrestling right now. Yeah, I, I, I will say this, is that, so when I watched it, you're right, it looks funky. I, and, and it could just be that you, that's a style of kickboxer that, that, you know, MMA fans aren't used to watching so much, or, you know, it's, it's taking a kickboxer and forcing him to box so he's moving differently. I can hear that excuse. It looks really weird though, right? And then the second thought I had about that is, but why the fuck would Ryzen botch their future star, right? Like, they have a guy they would make assloads of money off of, right? In a 20-year-old kickboxing legend who is from Japan, right? Like, he's the hometown guy. Why would they bring in some guy, pay him $9 million, and watch them just, like, destroy their future revenue? Maybe there's an answer, but that at least gave me some hope that it wasn't a work. Yeah, I think that that's exactly the big why would they, is why would they fuck with Teshin's reputation that mm. way. Um, but you know what? Again, you go back to Pride and the things we saw there, Takata and his heel hook. Now, maybe that's a bad example. You know, Takata mm. was the promotion star, and they paid Mark Coleman to take a dive against him. Mm. Uh so that would go counter to what they did to Teshin, but maybe they looked at it as a, I mean, I'm going into like Alex Jones conspiracy theories here, but maybe they looked at it like <laughs> having, having Floyd on Risen outweighed any public relations or publicity or marketing damage and hit that tension took to getting knocked out in the first round to him. I still think it was weird if you remember when Floyd tweeted out the gloves he had you know tweeted out a photo of him in risen gloves and then said no 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 i'm not doing it and then they brought him back into the fold and and he said okay i am doing it i don't know my conspiracy theory rattled brain just goes to when he pulled out did they make a promise to him about something 
Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a possibility, and, and we'll probably always wonder. But in the meantime, it it looked bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, last little bit of news here I wanted us to hit on. The PFL had their finals for their six different tournaments. Each tournament winner got a million dollars. So the PFL, uh, I guess it was, what, yesterday, right, on the 1st? Uh, no, the, was it, the 31st. It was on the 31st. Yep. The PFL gave out $6 million to six fighters in one night. Yeah, that's that's crazy. And when, and when you think about it, too, I mean, obviously, they're, they're, they did 11 events this year, and the payroll for all of them isn't that high. But you sort of have to wonder. I know they've got some like celebrity investors and some big investors in there. You have to wonder, is that sustainable? Because it, it's a fun format. I enjoy the format. But I just don't know if it's like sustainable to keep giving away millions of dollars to watch. You know, not that it wasn't a good fight, but like, you know, Sean O'Connell versus Vinny Magalhaes, and you're going to spend a million dollars. I'm not sure the return on investments there. Yeah, I, I can't imagine this is sustainable. I could see, you know, I was actually asking you off air, like, who even owns the PFL? And you had mentioned, I guess, uh, Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker. Kevin Hart invested something into it. And I get where some rich dudes are like, oh, MMA. I mean, the UFC, it just sold for $4 billion. Let's, yeah. let's throw some money and see if we could back this MMA promotion. But to me, at this level of giveaway, quote unquote, to their fighters, it just doesn't seem sustainable. The return on investment is not going to be there. If a major media organization owned it, I would have a little more faith. Like, here would be an example. If ESPN lost out on the UFC bid, to have their TV rights and just decided, you know what? Fuck it. We're ESPN. We're Disney. We're ABC. We're just going to create our own league. And they did something like this. I get it because they're filling time on their network yep. and they can self promote it. That makes more sense to me. Whereas like eventually Kevin Hart's going to say, fuck off. Like you guys aren't getting ratings like the UFC. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That just, that's where, that's where I see it heading. Yeah. I kind of agree with you on that one. It, it is a tough one to see lasting very long all right well i'll tell you what i'm looking forward to it's our 2018 year in review we're giving out awards the top turtle mma awards for fighter fight sub and ko of the year uh gumby i'll ask you this does any fine company sponsor this segment Absolutely. This segment, our 2018 UFC, well, MMA awards, although a lot will be UFC, is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguard. Sisu Mouthguard is the only mouthguard where you can talk, breathe, and drink, all with the mouthguard up in your mouth. It protects your chompers and lets you talk to your training partners while doing so. Head to SISUGuard.com to get one for you. Uh, Sisu mouthguards. I always have my Sisu mouthguard in when I roll. I actually am wearing it right now as I talk. You probably can't even notice. Put a Sisu mouthguard up in your mouth. Let's start with Fighter of the Year, Gumby. We did no pre-programming for this, no pre-production. I don't know who you're going to pick. You don't know who I'm going to pick. Let's see if we match up and pick the same person. I'll start with you. Who is your Fighter of the Year? Uh, I'm going to, I had a tough time deciding on this one, but I think I'm going to go with Daniel Cormier. I, I think in the grand scheme of things, the dude's a two division champion. He defended his, his light heavyweight belt in 2018, uh, against Vulcan Ozdemir, which, you know, not, not the best name to defend your title against, but he defended his title against Vulcan Ozdemir. And then he defended it against Stipe and Derek, or he beat Stipe for the title, defended against Derek Lewis, three and O, two belts. I, I think you got to give it to him. 
Yeah, that's a really strong pick. Uh, this is why, and now the way I hear you breaking it down, I'm like sort of maybe a little jealous I didn't go with DC. When I was thinking about it in pre-production, I just felt like the Vulcan Ozdemir defense for 205 and the Derek Lewis defense for uh, 265 were just such good stylistic matchups for mm. DC. The Stipe yeah. win was massive. Yeah. You do, like, if he had, let's just say, fought twice and beat John Jones and avenged that loss and then beat Stipe, it's way there's bigger. no question. Way it. bigger. Yeah. But, like, the Derek Lewis fight, I feel like DC rolled the fuck out of bed, had a sandwich, a milkshake, and just beat the brakes off of fucking Derek Lewis. It really wasn't a hard day of work for him. Mm. So, I, listen, 3-0, and the two title defenses, two-division champion, it's incredible. He's probably the fighter of the year, but fuck off, here's my fighter of the year. It's Habib, and here's why. The man has never been beaten. He took Ali Aquinta on short notice. He prepared for two different fighters, really. He prepared for Tony, and then he was preparing for Max for about a week and a half, or maybe just a week. And then he got Ally Aquinta, so I know he didn't get the finish, and that sucks, but Al is also a tough son of a bitch and tough to finish. But then he beats Connor, who, you know, say what you will about Connor. Connor's fucking incredible. Mm. He's one of the best fighters of all time, okay? I get people want to hate on him. And the Nate Diaz first loss takes away a little bit of the luster. But Connor is an incredible fucking fighter. Connor also fought an amazing game plan against Habib. Yeah. Something that I don't really think gets brought up enough. Habib did not necessarily just like grapple fuck him to death. Habib hit a right cross on Connor that almost knocked him out. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's it's amazing. It's pretty amazing, and, and you want to know what the amazing thing about our two picks for Fighter of the Year, too, is that both of them fight for the same team, right? What <laughs> right. what a great fucking year for American Kickboxing Academy. Um, Good point. We'll move to uh, Fight of the Year. Uh, we'll have you go first again. What's your Fight of the Year? Uh, fight of the Year, I think I'm going to go with... Uh, I was down between two of them. I'm going to go with Tony Ferguson versus Anthony Pettis at UFC 229. Uh, another one of those just like bloody ass wars from Tony Ferguson. I mean, he got stunned in that fight and just did somersaults away from Anthony Pettis until he cleared his head, which is the weirdest way I've ever seen somebody clear their head in history. Uh, and then he comes back and wins. I just think altogether that fight had a little bit of everything and, and it was a damn good fight, too. There are so many good ones from this year. But for me, I, I think as far as, like, getting a blood and guts war, that's kind of the fight I wanted. Yeah, it's a fun fight. Uh, for me, Why I, I just want to talk about why I didn't have it as my number one. I think round two was probably the round of the year. But mm. the fight itself, where it loses out on fight of the year for me, Round one was kind of like, it was there, good fight. You know, I felt like the commentators talked way too much about Tony Ferguson's knee and whether it held up or not. Spoiler alert, it did. Um, and, you know, Pettis hasn't really been the Pettis we all know and love of the past few years. So that's kind of like an aspect to it. I don't know that we necessarily have prime Pettis here. 
the fact, and I, I listen, I think they made the right call. If he felt he broke his hand, which I don't know if anyone ever actually confirmed if he broke his hand, but he didn't answer the bell for the third round. I don't know. I don't like to see that fight going to a third round. Round two is the round of the year, but here's my fight of the year because it's strung together three rounds and an extra 30 seconds into round four. It's Poirier versus Gaethje. That is a war that went back and forth, and you could literally see each guy reaching down deep to the intestinal fortitude, deep into their guts, and stare into the soul of the other man and try to defeat him. I could rewatch that all day, every day, three times on Sunday, and be happy. That, to me, was the fight of the year, and it took place at UFC on Fox 29. Any honorable mentions for you? Yeah, I, I, that was actually going to be my second pick. Uh, that was the one I was struggling between that one and that one. But also, I feel like people forget because it was a little bit earlier in the year. Whitaker Romero too was was during this year. Um, which when I was looking at a list of some of the fights from this year, I completely forgot that this was that was this year. What a fucking killer fight that was too. That was a good fight. Um, also, Zombie Yair was great at yep. UFC Denver, 25th anniversary. Uh, let's go to let's go to KO of the year. We'll end on sub of the year because we're both jits nerds, so we'll jits out at the end. What was your KO of the year? I'm gonna go with, and I can't believe I'm picking this. I'm gonna go with Amanda Nunes knocking out Cyborg uh, just the other just last weekend. Um, the, there's a couple others that were close, but that one. Hit a special place in my heart because, first of all, it's her going up in, in a bigger division, knocking out a bigger opponent. And then on top of that, I, I am a huge sucker for walkaway KOs. And I think that's the part that gets overlooked on this KO the most. She throws that right hand and immediately runs away like she knows it's over. And to me, that's so fucking – that's Mark Hunt badass knockout right there. And doing it to Cyborg makes it four or five times more badass um, the right hand was incredible. What led up to it was incredible. Um, to me, that's the knockout of the year. Well, ding, 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 we have a match. That was my far and away knockout of the year, just because of the magnitude, just because she's slaying the beast that is Cyborg. But on the spot, forced to pick something else, this is what I would go with. Now, I, here's why this isn't... Okay, let me say what it is. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> the KO is Yair Rodriguez... I guess you could call it uh, 12 to 6 up elbow standing <laughs> uh, to Korean Zombie at UFC Denver in the final seconds of their five-round fight. What annoys me about it, in a way, was there was a lot of, like, at the end of that fight, and they had been through a war. I take nothing away from them. They're slapping high five with each other. They're kind of, like, both just saying to each other, we're in a war right now. This is crazy. It kind of takes you out of the moment for a second, and I don't necessarily know that Korean Zombie wasn't just, like, lulled into a, hey, we're kind of just trading here, almost like a really hard sparring session, and then bam, Yair Rodriguez hits that elbow and ends it, which is funny. But for me, you know, just the magnitude of Nunez when, you know, hitting Cyborg with that cross, uh, in a championship fight and finally slaying the beast that is Cyborg. Uh, that's really the number one. Yeah, and I think I think you're 100% right. As as I was leaning towards uh, picking Yair, uh, knocking out Zombie too, but the magnitude of it, the situation, the skill behind it, you know, like Yair's up elbow, clearly he's got some skill on it, but at the same time, like, 
it, it was it, like zombie was more tricked than just dominated, whereas cyborg was just dominated. Yes, a hundred percent. All right, let's move to sub of the year. Who you got? Man, I hate to do this, but I'm gonna and maybe there's a recency bias. I'm gonna pick this weekend's heel hook victory for Ryan Hall over BJ Penn. I can't believe I'm picking both my sub and KO of the year from the last card of the year. But God, a fucking his Imanari. It's an Imanari roll, right? An Imanari roll into it, a heel it, hook. It, it is. It, it isn't. It's a. It's the Ryan Hall roll. Okay. It's been so, named in the Jits community. Yeah, it's. It's just slightly different from an Imanari. Okay, so he, he hips over a little bit more instead of just rolling through. Um, but and but, goes for the far leg instead of the near leg. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I mean, like, it's sick. It's amazing. But the fact that he does it to a jujitsu legend in BJ Penn, a guy who people talked about having like the best jujitsu in MMA for years, never been subbed in MMA. And then he gets heel hooked like that. That's just incredible. It's incredible on so many different levels. And and I think to overlook, I mean, like how many heel hooks did you see all year in high level MMA to to overlook that would have just been silly for me to go back and try to find something else. Guy, so I obviously considered it. I love the entry to it. Uh, what I have a problem with naming it sub of the year is BJ rolled the wrong way. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just like BJ. I, I don't know. And you know, I I know BJ. At you know, obviously jujitsu phenom, absolute phenom. But I think the game of jujitsu has evolved. So much in the past decade, and you know, it just doesn't necessarily surprise me that while BJ Penn was getting rich doing MMA, uh, he might not have been, you know, watching Eddie Cummings and Gary Tonin highlight videos on YouTube. <laughs> so it's just like it kind of is what it is, and uh, I am surprised, being as rich as BJ is, that he didn't like fly in a Danaher Death Squad member to just train Helix. Um, you know, for this fight, because he rolled the wrong way. Yep. He absolutely rolled the wrong way. So that's kind of why I can do it. I also have to recommend uh, Kent Peters, who's becoming like the Robin Black of Jiu-Jitsu Breakdowns. His YouTube channel, Zombie Proof JJ, uh, BJJ, Zombie Proof BJJ, uh, does the Ryan Hall roll, breaks it down. Ryan Hall roll, that's tough to say. Uh, so I highly recommend that Zombie Proof BJJ on YouTube for the breakdown of that. Anyway, long story short, my uh, sub of the year, and I'm taking a huge out here, I'm going with a tie because it's impossible to pick <laughs> one being better than the other. Aljamain Sterling got a kickstand knee bar on Cody Stammen at UFC 228. Zabit Magomed Shaparov got a kickstand knee bar on Brandon Davis at UFC 228. That's incredible. They both got kickstand knee bars in the same night at UFC 228. So I'm tying them for sub of the year, and it happened in the same night. Yeah, and I actually was uh, contemplating not giving it to Ryan Hall and giving it instead to only one of those submissions. And I'll tell you how I broke the tie between those two kickstands. I was going to give it to Aljamain Sterling's kickstand over Cody Stamen just because when you look at the, the skill level of those two opponents... Aljamain Sterling is doing that to a top 10 Bantamweight with a wrestling background. Meanwhile, Zabit's doing it to a guy who's probably better known for his boxing and who you won't see in the top 15 maybe in his whole life. So, like, to do it to a top 10 Bantamweight, and Bantamweight is a division of fucking killers, 
and a guy with a, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a D1 wrestling background, to me, that would have put Aljo on the top. And that's why I was contemplating putting it ahead of Ryan Hall. But uh, to me, you got two in the same night. It almost hurt itself in that way. So, fighter of the year, probably DC, but I'm going to give some credit to Habib. Fight of the year, we had uh, Tony versus Pettis and Poirier versus Gaethje. Uh, KO of the year, it was Nunes versus Cyborg all day. Sub of the year, you have kickstand knee bars from Aljo and Zabit, or you have the Ryan Hall roll into a heel hook on the legend BJ Penn. Hit us up on Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. Did you like our picks? Did we do a good job? Did you absolutely hate our picks and hope we die? You can tell us that, too. It's at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Gumby, I think that about wraps us up. Why don't you do a little house cleaning here and take us home? And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. We want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, this has been another great year for our podcast, and we really appreciate each and every single one of the listeners out there. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We're doing a lot of cool stuff all the time. We just gave away a signed Tisha Torres picture. It's really cool stuff, and we've got some other contests coming up as well all through the new year, so you're going to want to make sure that you're along for the ride. Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. Uh, plus, we want to thank our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Sheath Underwear, and Sisu Mouthguards. They're great, and they allow us to do exactly what we're doing right now. Plus, we want to thank the Mothership Flow Combat for having us on each and every week. Uh, it helps us keep uh, the, this podcast in your ears. I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He was Shockwave Dave Tremonti, and we will catch you next week.